I'm Jim and this is On The Left Side, the funny football show. It's beyond him to the far stick, will it drop? Will it go in? They've won it! Millwall have only won it! In the dying, dying seconds! You've got to hand it to Jose Mourinho. Even when he's not involved in football, he is still grabbing headlines. Having finished boring United fans off the pitch, he's taken to boring them on TV as well, with a guest appearance this week on Be In Sports, where he managed to prove to everyone that his disastrous time at Manchester United hasn't changed him one bit. Let's remember that Jose Mourinho has two gears. One, claim credit for everything that's good, and two, refuse to accept blame for everything that's bad. And, of course, the latter was always going to come into play when Richard Keyes, yes, he's still on the telly, just not when there are women in the crew, asked him about his time in the dugout at Old Trafford and why it didn't quite work out. And Jose wasn't going to let any of those pesky facts stand in the way of his excuses. I would love to go to a club and to be in conditions to do what uh, Jürgen and Pep, for example, they did. You look to the team that Liverpool started the game today, how many players were there before Jürgen arrived? Not many, if any. And when Pep was not happy with, with the four full-backs that he had, and in the same summer he bought four full-backs that he liked. I was saying before that um, in my next job, I will be not starting a conversation with the club without knowing exactly what the club wants and what the club has to give. You know the phrase, the victors write history? Does that count if it's the victors of the Charity Shield, League Cup and Europa League? Because Jose seems to think it does. Mm -hmm. If he keeps on saying that he didn't have any money to spend enough, then maybe one day someone's going to believe him. Sure, Klopp has spent over 400 million quid. Pep, just over five. But Jose isn't that far behind either of them, having forked out 392 million quid during his time at Old Trafford which on one hand is a whole £19 million less than the German, on the other hand is half the total transfer costs of the Cardiff City team. And as far as Manchester United are concerned, it's probably only just enough to buy you a piano lesson with Alexi Sanchez. And that announcement video of him at the piano was probably the best the Chilean played under Jose. In the interview, Jose also explained so people really understood what an achievement it was finishing second in the league when Phil Jones is one of your centre-backs. Although he might not have said it quite like that. He also added that his time at Manchester United was one of the proudest of his career. Now loads of people took the piss out of that comment, but I think I get exactly what he means. You know that weird sense of pride you get when you take a really big dump? I think it's the same thing. He wasn't done there though. His truth bending reached an impressive delusion level five when he was talking about one of his old charges, Petr Cech, who recently announced his retirement. Everything was about him. When I arrived in Chelsea, he was a kid, 20 years old. The goalkeeper was Carlo Cudicini, and Cudicini, the season before, he was elected the player of the season. The first game of the season was Chelsea against Manchester United. I decided to leave out the player of the season before and to play a kid that nobody would know even to tell his name because Petr Cech was quite difficult to say. After that, everything was about him. How many times can you say everything was about him whilst making it mostly about yourself? It's a great story though, isn't it? Jose gave Cech his big break, although Cech wasn't actually 20. 
when Jose came to Chelsea, he was 22, and he'd just come back from the Euros, where he was absolutely bloody fantastic. Also, Cudicini wasn't the player of the season the year before. In fact, he'd missed most of the previous season for injury, just as he had in the pre-season. And it was the very reason why Chelsea signed Petr Cech in the first place. But let's forget about those bits for now. I bet Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola wouldn't get pulled up on those facts. At least he stopped just short of claiming that it was in fact him, dressed in a Petr Cech costume all these years. But whilst one of Jose's old charges was retiring, another was searching for a new lease of life, as Ashley Cole shocked everyone by signing a deal with Derby County. And when I say shocked everyone, I mean shocked most people. I'm sure Marcelo Bielsa has known about it for absolutely ages. <laughs> it should be no big shock that Cole has reunited with Frank Lampard at Derby, though, because they are old mates from their Chelsea days, and Lamps even once described Ashley Cole as the best left-back of his generation, which I think shows a canny new transfer policy at Pride Park. Now they just need to sign Pelé, the best forward of his generation, Perlo, the best midfielder of his generation, and Gianluigi Buffon, and he's going to have a bloody awesome walking football team. And I know that winning a walking football trophy might not seem like a lot to most top division managers, but remember, this is a student of Jose Mourinho. It's impressive that Ashley Cole, at the age of 38, is still playing at such a high level of the game, with a professional football career that spans 20 years, especially when you compare it to the football career of Usain Bolt. The Jamaican sprinter has officially announced his retirement from professional football this week after a lofty two years in the game, which involved a training session with Stromskodet and a heavily Puma-branded training session with Borussia Dortmund, along with two games for Aussie team West Coast Mariners. I mean, it's better than I've done, but it doesn't even get a look-in on his Wikipedia page. And Wikipedia has everything on it. It seemed slightly strange to me that Usain felt the need to officially announce the end of his footballing career, because it really never got started. And it did prompt one particular joke to be made many, many times on Twitter, mainly by overweight 40-year-olds with profile pics of them wearing ill-fitting football shirts, as they all tweeted in unison... Well, maybe I should announce my retirement as a professional sprinter then. <laughs> Not really, no. That's only a fair comparison if you've won the Ballon d'Or, World Cup and Champions League, isn't it? And I have a feeling that the closest you've come to that is probably falling over and skinning one of your knee at your work's five-a-side game once a fortnight. Have it. The stats don't really lie, though. And at the end of the day, with two games and two goals as a pro footballer, you can't really argue with his goals-to-games ratio, which is better than Lionel Messi and Ronaldo. Plus, consider this. Even with just two years in the sport, he has still won just as much as Jurgen Klopp has at Liverpool. <laughs> and, if you believe a few TV pundits right now, he has also won just as much as a certain Mr Paul Pogba, who was, once more, inevitably, the victim of yet more criticism from the words of footballing gammons, despite a very sound showing as his Manchester United team taught Arsenal a lesson in the FA Cup. And it was England's first ever million-pound footballer, Trevor Francis, again on B in Sports, who was on Pogba pop duties this week. Pogba, for me, will never, ever give you the opportunity of winning trophies or championships because I think he's a luxury player. Quite right, Trev. I mean, 
Apart from winning the World Cup just seven months ago, what else has he ever won, eh? Yeah, sure, there's the Coppa Italia twice, the Serie A title four times, double Super Coppa Italia victories, the English League Cup, the Europa League and the FIFA Under-20 World Cup. But that proves nothing, right? I particularly like his comment about Pogba being a luxury player, which sounds a bit like him and his co-pundits are in fact trying to recreate that famous Monty Python for Yorkshireman sketch. Aye, Pogba, pure luxury player. In my day, we wouldn't have had a marauding midfielder, rampaging forward and chipping in with goals and assists. We'd have Michael Carrick standing in centre circle, Pinging off passes. Michael Carrick? Pinging passes? We would have dreamed of Michael Carrick. When I was a lad, we had to make do with Roy Keane. Running around the pitch, breaking the legs of Scandinavians. If we were lucky. Breaking legs? You don't know how lucky you were. In my day, we had the world's most expensive player, Sebastian Veron, who turned out to be completely outclassed for speed and power in Premier League. Aye. Tell that to young folks of today. They wouldn't believe you. What exactly does the term luxury player mean as well? When I think of luxury, I think of something good, something I want. Fast cars, nice hotels, first class flights. It's quite impressive to be able to turn luxury into a negative. Ah, no thanks. I don't really want those Egyptian cotton sheets. They're far too luxurious. Have you got a bit of tarp I can sleep under? It is utter bollocks. Finally, the big story of the week, and one that we can't really ignore, is that of missing Cardiff Ford Emiliano Salah, whose light aircraft disappeared over the channel during a flight to Cardiff from Nantes, where he was bidding farewell to his old teammates before joining the Bluebirds. Right now, there are many unanswered questions as to exactly what happened, but with the official search for survivors called off, and with each hour that passes, it looks inevitable that the story is going to have a tragic end. As always, I've got no idea how to deal with stories like this, although I feel like we should mention it on a topical football podcast. But with a show that predominantly takes the piss, I don't know how to deal with it. However, I can be 100% sure that the way not to mention it is the way the Sun newspaper decided to do so, with a headline that read, Emiliano Salas' Model X partner says football mafia is behind crash which not only insensitively sensationalises the heartbreaking story, but also just seems like an excuse for the paper to print six pictures of said model girlfriend in various bikinis. What utter cunt weasels. Instead, again, for me, I have to look at the positives. The players who have contributed over £200,000 to a private fund to continue the search for Salah, and the fans that all hope that somehow he turns up safe just like these PSG Ultras who sang his name constantly during their match against Strasbourg at the weekend. See you next week.